This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. <laughs> What's up, what's up, what's up? How we doing, how we doing? And welcome to episode 160, episode 160 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a super duper weekend or super duper weekends, I should say. It's been a couple weeks since we last chatted. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, I'm part of the Big Night Media team with some awesome podcasts like Boston Uncommon with Joe Maz, Those Girls You Know, The Marky P Show, Eat the Damn Cake, Drinks After Work, Burnt Toast. On the promoter, he's the DJ. It's always something with JD. Let's be clear with Kata, Kayla, I should say. 30 Flirty and Surviving, Music You're Missing, A Chance to Strive, and a new podcast called Rambling with Purpose. Of course, if you're into sports cards, you can check out Big Night Breaks every single day of the week on Whatnot, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, they're there. And you can also go down to Patriot Place and check out the Card Vault if you want to do some in-person sports card shopping and Big Night Media Instagram, follow that every single Tuesday, Timmy Ticket Tuesday, featuring yours truly to get you free tickets to upcoming shows at Big Night Live. And you can always get your Banner Bear Podcast merchandise at BigNightShop.com. Now, before we dive into your Atlantic Division champion Boston Celtics, your number two seed heading into the into the playoffs. I need to talk about the final four. Last week there was not a podcast because I was down at the final four in New Orleans. And uh, what an experience. I mean, I am obviously very bummed that the Duke Blue Devils lost to their arch-rival North Carolina. That pained me a great deal. Uh, But it was lovely to see UNC blow that lead in the national championship game. But speaking of lovely, fuck the Lakers. And so glad they didn't make the playoffs. And that's all I'm going to say because winning Banner 18 is more important than the Lakers not making the playoffs. Let me just get get that out of the way right now. But New Orleans terrific city you need to go go to pat o'brien's get yourself a hurricane live your best life oh man what an experience you 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 have to if you're a basketball fan you have to go to the final four it's it's one of if not the best sporting atmosphere i have ever been to in my entire life i have seen the celtics win a championship i've been to a world series i've been to the stanley cup i've what else have i been to stanley cup World Series, Final Four, American League Championship, Eastern Conference Finals for both the Bruins and the Celtics. I've been to, I'm, I've been very fortunate, very lucky to go to some amazing sporting events. And I'm telling you this right now, the Final Four was absolutely fucking incredible. And you have to go sometime in your life. You have to. 
You really and truly do. Now, before we also begin, obviously, new announcement, new podcast here, but there will be a new podcast out after every single playoff game. That is right. One after game one, one after game two, one after game three, whether it's round one, round two, Eastern Conference Finals, hopefully the NBA Finals, whatever the case may be, each episode will be released at 8 a.m. every morning after the game, whether that's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever the case may be. Just that's the new schedule going forward. Okay, so from here until the Celtics season is over, 8 a.m., there is going to be a post game recap, series preview, hopefully, etc. etc. So that's what it's going to be. So, as always, each episode will be released at 8 a.m. Don't forget to listen, stream, like, subscribe, rate, comment, share, like, all that stuff. Okay. Great. Thanks so much. Let's get into what we're actually here to talk about, and that's the Boston Celtics. The previous week, you know, the the week that I missed because I was down at the Final Four, the Celtics lost to the Raptors without Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Rob, 115-112. to 112. They lost to the Heat with the full squad, minus Rob, 106-98. to 98. Another shaky fourth quarter late game situation for this team, which is, ugh, I don't like it. It's starting to scare me a little bit, and ugh. You, listen, this team has done a lot of good things. They've blown out a lot of teams so they don't have to have some of these l- late fourth quarter situations with two to three minutes to go. Jason Tatum is one of the worst. Uh, what, what, what was the stat that I read? He's one of the worst clutch shooters in the NBA. Jalen Brown didn't really help himself in that category as well at the end of the Bucks game or, or earlier in the week, last week. That really wasn't ideal, but, you know, this is a perfect opportunity for them to grow and and get after it, especially in the playoffs. And let's see, they beat the Pacers at home. They beat the Wizards at home. They absolutely blew out the Bulls, who are the sixth seed in the playoffs. And then they lost to the Bucks without Al, Rob, and Tatum, 121 to 117. And then today, the Grizzlies had absolutely nobody. Tatum dropped over 30. He looked really, really good, healthy. And now the Celtics are going to have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe even Saturday off. I really hope the Celtics play on Saturday night. Double dip at TD Garden. Bruins at 12.30. Celtics maybe at 8, 8.30 get the Saturday night ABC primetime game. Or do they do the Easter Sunday on Sunday at 1 p.m.? Do they maybe go Monday and do it after Marathon Monday? There's a lot of options for this team. But they finished the season 51-31 and 31 over the 82-game season. The last time they won exactly 51 games was back in 1991-1992 season. You know, they've won 52, 53 games, some under Brad Stevens, you know, some more under Doc Rivers during that time. But the last time they exactly won 51 games was back in 1991-1992 season. So the Celtics were 28-13 and at home, which is definitely an advantage as the number two seed. So basically, if the Miami Heat were to lose in the first round, the Celtics would have home court advantage for the rest of the playoffs. So obviously that is very important if you ask me, um, but you know, to each their own. So this week on this episode of the podcast, episode 160, I'm going to talk about what I'm looking for from each player in the playoffs. We'll do stud and dud of the week, and then I'll give you a quick preview of whether it's going to be the Nets or the Cavs. Okay. So here are the Eastern Conference lineups or playoff settings, whatever the case may be. So the Miami Heat are going to play the loser of the 7-8 and eight game and the winner of the 9-10 game. So let me explain that. 
It's Nets and Cavs playing for the 7th and 8th seed. If the Nets win, they're the 7th seed. If the Cavs lose, they would then play the winner of the Hawks and the Hornets. So let's say the Hawks win. Then it's Cavs, Hawks. And whoever wins that game would then play the Miami Heat as the 8th seed. So let's say it's the Hawks, okay? So it's Heat, Hawks, Celtics, Nets, Bucks, Bulls, 76ers, Raptors. Now, that 76ers-Raptor series is interesting because Matisse Thibel is not vaccinated, so he will not be able to play in games 3, 4, and 6 if it goes that far. So that's very interesting. So let's break down the player situation and what is going to be coming forward for this basketball team, and let's start off with everyone's favorite, number 12, shall we? Also, let it be known, I will never call him Batman, and anyone who creates a nickname for themselves should be fired on the spot by their HR person, their boss, whatever the case may be. They they should be fired. But since the All-Star break, number 12 is shooting 45% from the field and 31% from three. Now, because his three-point percentage dropped so much, Peyton Pritchard actually finished higher in three-point shooting percentage for the Boston Celtics this season. And number 12 came in second, even though number 12 was leading by a lot heading into the all-star break one of the good things from number 12 and something he's always been solid at and i wish he would get to the free throw line more he's, he's shooting 90 percent from the free throw line it's very very impressive and it it's a shame all he does is just stand in the corner now he has been a little bit more active as of late maybe getting to the rim and hopefully that can continue so he can get to the line he's also averaged four rebounds three fouls and a total plus minus is a plus three now what we need for this Boston Celtics team is pre-All-Star break from number 12. He shot 49% from the field, 44% from three. That's right. He dropped 13 percentage points from before the All-Star break to after the All-Star break. Still shooting 90% from the line, which has, hasn't changed. He's actually averaging one more rebound now than before. And only scoring... He only scored 7.5 back then. He's now doing about 9 per game. So his scoring has gone up, his rebounding has gone up, but his 3-point shooting has declined. And I've talked about it all season long. If number 12 can shoot like he did in the first part of this season, the first 50 to 60 games of the season, and it helps spread the floor for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart or whoever to attack the rim, big, big things are coming the way. But here's the other thing. The offensive rating before the All-Star break for number 12, 123. The defensive rating, 108. The offensive rating after the All-Star break dropped from 123 to 111. And the defensive rating is now 113, which means it's worse. So he's played worse since the All-Star break. And number 12 also has to stop complaining about fouls and use his body on shot fakes. Like, for the love of God, you're a thick, jacked guy. Use it. So now that we got number 12 over the out of the way, let's talk about Jason Tatum. What can he do? It's not really what can he do because we know what he can do, but it's what is he supposed to do going forward every single night to carry this team? Jason Tatum has been in a little bit of a three-point shooting slump uh, before the Memphis Grizzlies game. Let's just, you know, he, he shot the ball very, very well today. But before that game, since the Tim, Timberwolves game, so the Timberwolves game to, well, I'm want to say the Bucks game, but he didn't play in that game. He was only shooting 26% from three in a five or six game span. 
not great, but his assists have gone up because of that. And Jason Tatum needs to shine in the biggest moments, but also has to realize that one of his biggest growths this year is getting others involved, and that has to continue. He is going to get trapped, he's going to get blitzed, and his teammates also need to realize that, be ready for it, go towards him, so he doesn't have to make difficult passes, which could lead to turnovers and then easy layups for the other team. And when those players do catch the ball, and they do have an opening because there's going to be two guys on Tatum and not them to hit those open shots. And I think it's very, it's a, another very important thing that Tatum has to do well, as well as Jalen Brown, is rebound the basketball more than they ever have before, especially with Robot. I think it's going to be very important. So Jason Tatum, we know he can score. He can score in a wide variety of ways. He can tack the rim, elbow jumper, step back three, attack the rim i i could go on and on free throw line whatever it is but if he can pass the ball get some more rebounds box out go after it get the ball push the ball down the court he can get a rebound b point tatum all of that but him and jalen brown now that rob williams is out have to help out daniel tice and Al Horford down low. You know Marcus Smart's going to get in there and get dirty. But those other two guys really have to help these guys rebound the basketball. And and I, and I think he can do that. Like, I'm expecting Jason Tatum to average about 29 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists per game throughout the playoffs for this basketball team. It has to happen. And I, and I, and I think it can. So Jason continues to have to find his shot. Don't force the shot. Find the spot find the right shot, all that stuff. And then also get your teammates involved as well. His involvement or getting others involved this year has absolutely skyrocketed. It's been night and day. You look at Jason Tatum in the bubble, and then you look at Jason Tatum now like passing the basketball. Like he he's always slowly walked up that hill. Like he's gotten better and better. But like you could say that he's at the top of the mountain right now. And sure, he still has some flashes here and there. But this is a great opportunity for Jason Tatum to really take over and also get others involved so the whole team can take over this playoff run. And then you have Jalen Brown, who has been unreal the last two weeks. Absolutely unreal. And that leads to our stud and dud of the week. So, hit the music. And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, your stud and dud of the week for episode 160 is Jalen Brown. Since the Golden State Warriors game on that West Coast road trip in the middle of March, he has averaged 27 points a game, 4 assists per game, 6 rebounds per game, and shooting 47% from 3. Yeah, right? Yeah, it was 47% from 3. His free throw shooting is something that I'm still a little concerned about, and and it has to improve as soon as possible, especially in the playoffs. He cannot shoot 75% from the line during the playoffs, especially late in the fourth quarter, because if all those teams are going to focus on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown gets to the rim and can't convert um, a layup after getting fouled, it's going to be tough converting free throws. I I mean, Jalen has made back-to-back free throws a lot, but I feel like it's... It's something that you really can't talk about a lot. And his late game play in close games isn't really ideal at all. And listen, excuse me, I'm not going to cut that out because that's how I roll here on the Banner Branch Podcast. I know Jalen 
didn't have a lot of options in the Bucks game the other night, but he did not play well at all. Even even though his ball handling has improved, Jalen did not play very well when the game was on the line at all. Now, something that also has to improve and has improved since his back-to-back zero-assist game, he's had he has averaged 5.7 assists per game since he went back-to-back zero-assist games. And you know what that means, right? You guys hear it in the background? Uh-huh, that's right. It's a Jalen Brown dance party right before the playoffs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jalen Brown dance party. Mm, 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 mm. I'm so happy for Jalen. Jalen Brown averaging 5.7 assists per game for over, I think it's the last eight or nine games, maybe even 10 games. Absolutely unbelievable. And the fact that he's still scoring at a good rate. This is what I've been dying for Jalen Brown to do ever since he got drafted by the Boston Celtics score well and get others involved and I'm telling you folks if Jalen can get others involved while Jason's doing it at the same time this team is very very hard to beat it's like oh I'm Jalen Brown and guess what I'm going to attack the rim and if I can't I'm going to dish it out when I used to just throw it up and hope for the best I'm telling you it's going to be huge it's going to be huge for this basketball team and I will stand by my statement that I did at the beginning of the year, and I'm starting to feel a little confident about it. Jalen Brown is the most important player on this basketball team. We know what Marcus Smart can do. We know what Jason Tatum is. We know what Al Horford can and can't do. Jalen Brown is the most important player on this basketball team. And it's going to be very interesting to see how he performs in big moments. I have faith in him, but it's going to be a little tough. I, I know I, I can't be too negative because we're in a really good spot and we're in the number two seed and God forbid for being realistic. But Jalen Brown, his passing has improved, his ball handling is, has improved. Now can his clutch time play improve? That's the question. And then the dud of the week, unfortunately, it is the Celtics defense. Now, before Rob got hurt, their defensive rating was 1, 107.3, which was the best in the NBA. Since Rob got hurt, it's 111.9, and they've allowed 120 points twice ever since Rob got hurt. Guess how many times they did that since January 1st of this year before Rob got hurt. They did it three times since January. So all of January, all of February, all of March. They only did it three times. And ever since Rob's been hurt over the last two weeks, they've done it two times. Now, you can say that they're going through the motions because it's been at the end of the year. They knew they were going to have home court in the first round. You know, Rob needed some rest. Jason needed some rest. Jalen needed some rest, etc., etc. But the defense without Rob has to be locked in. They have to be communicating. They have to be on the same level. They have to be on the same page. It's vital for this team to go deep until Rob comes back. Rob Williams did post a Instagram story today uh, on Sunday, his first day of workouts. He's going to be doing two days until he comes back. The earliest the second round can start is April 30th, which would be about 31 days since his surgery. And they're saying four to six weeks. So four weeks, four times seven is 28. So he could be back right for the start of the second round if the Celtics can go that far. Now let's continue and talk about some of the players, Marcus Smart, going to be a vital role going forward for this team. I talked about it a lot earlier in the year that Jalen Brown is the most important player for this team because he has to help Tatum at an all-star level, and I think he's done that, uh, that being Jalen Brown. But Marcus Smart needs to be the leader on both ends. Marcus has done a tr- terrific job this year shutting up a lot of the haters, including myself, or the people that are that were ready to move on, 
like myself. It's not that I didn't like Marcus Smart or hate Marcus Smart. I, I started to, you know, I've I've grown to love Marcus Smart. I, I didn't like him when he first got drafted. I thought there were some better options on the table, and I've been hit or miss with the draft. Like, you know, I don't think I was wrong about Romeo Langford. I don't think I was wrong about number 12. I don't think I was wrong about Aaron Neesmith, and I might have been wrong about Marcus Smart, and, and that happens. But Marcus Smart has really grown into the role. And I feel like this is the first time in his career he's found a role and he's taken it head on and he's been really, 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 really good at it. He's averaging a career high in assists. He takes less shots than he did uh, over his last two seasons. He's shooting better from the field than he has in the last two years. And he's in defending at an incredible rate, one of the top 10 best individual defensive ratings in the league. Most likely should, could, better win defensive player of the year you know and open shots for marcus are key but him getting everyone involved passing the ball to their spots continuing his great pick and roll with tice until rob comes back is awesome and and marcus has averaged seven since since the all-star break and that has to continue don't do more don't do less continue to be the player that you have been all year and then you have al horford this could be this could be it for him he has a lot of money on the line if the celtics go to the finals and he has even more money on the line if they win the whole damn thing and al horford has to be cool calm and collective just like those beautiful eyes of his like he has all year he has to be the second best defender on the team as long as rob's not playing and he and listen he may not be the most athletic defender on the team but how he defends vocally and how he helps his teammates tell them where to go whether they should switch or not is going to be very very important especially when marcus smart isn't on the floor and listen we are going to have to live and die by al horford threes and to be honest with you i'm okay with that he's actually shooting a better percentage this year than marcus so that's very interesting and i think one of the more interesting things you know when i was digging through some of my stats and you know writing down some of my quick little bullet point notes rebound 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 for al horford this is the most rebounds he has averaged in a season since 2013 2014 when he was playing on the fucking atlanta hawks isn't that wild to think about at his age he's like 35 36 I mean, he might, shit he might even be 37 years old in eight or nine years ago was the last time that he has averaged this many rebounds as he has this year. Unbelievable. And then you have Daniel Tice. Thank God for Daniel Tice. Thank freaking God for Daniel Tice. And everyone who hates Brad Stevens and has ever bashed Brad Stevens for not knowing the game can kindly stop talking after bringing in Daniel Tice, which has been huge because you knew Al's, uh, I'm sorry, Rob is a little injury prone and that's very important. And then you get DW9, you re-sign Rob, you re-sign Marcus Smart. He should get a shitload of credit for where this team is. And I understand it's the players for buying into the coach because he didn't buy in the you know, the last two seasons before that, you can kind of see it going downhill. And you could talk about Ime too, which I will in a little bit. But Daniel Tice has to play his, bas- his best basketball until Rob's, Rob Williams is back with the team. Since Rob has gotten hurt, Tice is averaging actually 13 points a game, 5 rebounds, and he's shooting 41% from 3, which is something he does a lot. And I mean like a lot better than Rob. Shooting 59% from the field overall. So like, sure, can Rob Williams block shots? And basically do everything better than Daniel Tice? Yes, absolutely. But Daniel Tice can hit a three-pointer if needed. Rob isn't there yet. I mean, he's still nervous to take that Kevin Garnett elbow jumper. But Tice is a good defender. He's a reasonable defender. He is there to rebound, be physical, be used in the pick and roll if necessary. And we will hope for the best. But thank God for Tice is here, especially the post-Rob injury. And then you have Ime Udoka. 
I mean, Ime, this is his first playoff run. Now, if you want to compare him to Brad Stevens' first season, go right ahead. Brad Stevens was 25 and 57, 19 different players on that team, including Rajon Rondo, Jared Sullinger, and Jeff Green were still on the team back then. So now, here's the thing. I am a little nervous with Ime with his X's and O's, and I think we all are, which is something Brad was very good at. And he has made these guys buy in. He has these guys loving to play basketball again. They need a little slap on the ass, and he has provided that, and I'm very thankful for that. And it's it it's gone a long way. He may has been a great hire. You know, you look at someone like Chauncey Billups that everyone really wanted to hire, and it really hasn't worked out that great. And I understand that Damian Lillard has been hurt for the Portland Trailblazers, but it is what it is. The offense, I think, has been sneaky underappreciated during this run ever since, what, middle of January, even before that, because everyone has been talking about the defense. But since the All-Star break, the Celtics, this team, before the Grizzlies game tonight, were literally averaging 27 assists per game, which is unreal and needed. Unreal and needed. Can Ime, here's the thing though, can Ime make in-series, in-game adjustments that make his team happy, that make his players happy, that make his players play better, and helps them win a series. Do I have confidence that he can do that? Yes, of course. I mean, how can you not? I mean, this has been a very impressive coaching year. He came in, had no idea what he's doing, and it showed. And then he figured out what he was doing, and it's worked out. Now they're in the number two seed, finished 51 and 31. I mean, in December, they were literally in the plan. And now they're waiting for the teams to be done in the plan. It's, it's crazy. He has to keep his eye on the prize. And that's ball movement to make sure the best shot is found, and to make sure his players are on the same page defending the basketball. And who else do we got to talk about? This is going to be a long podcast, folks. we got a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah. Derek, Derek White and Peyton Pritchard. DW9 and Peyton Pritchard. It's super simple with those two. Shoot the ball well, defend well, and let the game come to you. Peyton's shooting has improved slowly but surely, and the same goes for DW9. The last couple of weeks for Derek White, I've been begging for a shot to... You know, just go in or or even just be confident shooting the basketball. And he's done that. So bravo to him. Now, let's talk about the Nets and the Cavs real quick. This is probably going to be the longest podcast of the season. But just so you know, these podcasts after the game are going to be 10, 15 minutes long, if that. Short, sweet, beautiful. You could probably listen to it while you're taking a shower, listen to it while you're taking a shit, listen to it while you're in a meeting, whatever the case may be. I'll make sure that they're sweet to the point and you learn a lot, hopefully. So obviously the Nets are the favorites to win this playing game versus the Cavs, which will be on Tuesday night on TNT at 7 p.m. April 12th. Literally, if you're listening on Monday, it's tomorrow. If you're listening on Tuesday, literally tonight, 7 p.m. on TNT. Now, let's say the Nets win it. It will be a seven-game series with the Celtics getting four home games and the Nets getting three. The Celtics have won the, the, what? Tim speak. The Celtics have won the season series three games to one against the Nets so far this year. 2-0 without Kyrie and Kevin Durant. 1-0 with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And 0-1 without Kyrie and with Kevin Durant. So it's very interesting. Let's just... I, I... I just need to get this off my chest. All all the never negative people about the Celtics. This is the matchup you want. This is the matchup some of these players need in this series. You want, we want, I want, we all want Jason Tatum to be one of the best players in the league. You think he's top five? 
I don't know about that. He's definitely top 10. But if you want to be top five, you beat Kevin Durant in this series. And you be the best player in this series. Is Tatum capable of that? Yes. Is Tatum ready for that? <laughs> he better fucking be. And though <laughs> Jason Tatum, I don't care about All-NBA. I don't care about Marcus Smart's Defensive Player of the Year. I care about Jason Tatum being the best basketball player on the floor, bringing more playoff wins, more series wing, uh, wins, and another banner to this place. So, is Kevin Durant better than Jason Tatum right now? Yes. Is Jason Tatum better than Kyrie Irving? Yes. Is Kyrie Irving better than Jalen Brown right now? Yes. And that's okay. But this is a great opportunity for Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown wasn't an all-star this year. He's probably pissed about that. Jalen Brown, the way he's playing the last couple weeks, does he have a shot at all NBA? Probably not. But who says he can't be the third best player in this series? Who says he can't be better than Jason Tatum? I mean, uh, Kyrie Irving. There is nothing more than Jalen Brown needs to be than the second best star on a winning team. And that's exactly what he is. So here's your opportunity. You were too young to beat LeBron back in the day. Brad wasn't ready to beat Spolstra head-to-head because Spolstra is that good of a coach. This is your opportunity. Forget the coaches. Play on the court. Jason Tatum has a real opportunity for seven straight games, possibly, to defend, to be defended by arguably the best player on the planet in Kevin Durant. And if you're not a Celtics fan, or if you are a Celtics fan and you're not excited about that, you're out of your fucking tree. The Celtics have proved that they are one of, if not the best teams in the league. So bring on one of the best players in the league and let's go. Now, realistic part of me, shaking in my boots just a little bit because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are that fucking good and they can win a series at any time that they want because that's how fucking good they are. But I'm feeling a little confident about this and I don't know if I like it because you know me, I like to be negative Nancy, not positive Perry. But this Nets lineup, of course you got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and I'm sure some Celtics fans are still butthurt about what Kyrie did and they aren't over it, which is immature and that's whatever. But Kyrie and Kevin Durant combined for 57 points a game they the nets as a team score 112 which is more than half and which is 10th best in the league ben simmons is questionable to play in this series how will he play who knows is he is he going to hurt them on the offensive side will he may not give a shit if he's even out there on the offensive side how will jalen play against simmons how will tatum play against simmons if they play I don't know how early he'll show up in the series. Who knows? But another injury for them is Seth Curry, who's shooting 46% from three this year. So switches will be happening a lot on him. Will Jalen cover Kyrie to start and Smart will run around? And then if someone does set a screen for him and then Jalen's on him, which is the longer body, you don't want also Jalen to get foul trouble because Jalen from time to time makes some really stupid fucking fouls. You know, and then Al and... Um, Daniel Tice will have to hedge and jump out on that shooter that is Seth Curry because Joe Harris isn't coming back. He's done for the year. And then whoever, whoever isn't flying out on the shooter has to be able to roll with whoever is rolling to the hoop because Seth is a reasonable passer, not a great passer. But then you have some, some veteran guys like LaMarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond, old school veterans. Drummond is averaging 10 boards a game four of them on the offensive glass he is ready to go on the offensive end of the of the uh ball 
especially to get a rebound. The Celtics are the 11th best offensive rebounding team in the league, but they don't have Rob Williams right now, so that probably just drops. And then let me just say this right now, and I'm sure my buddy Big T is going to make a note of this. If LaMarcus Aldridge starts hitting pick-and-pop elbow jumpers at a consistent rate in this series, I will lose my absolute fucking mind. He hasn't played since March 6th, but I will literally lose my lid, maybe even a leg, an arm, my mind, whatever the case may be. If LaMarcus Aldridge, if Kyrie Irving gets a screen from him and Marcus Smart defends him well and then Daniel Tice is too worried about Kyrie attacking the rim and LaMarcus Aldridge is at the elbow and jumps literally the he I don't even think LaMarcus Aldridge can jump anymore and if he starts making those elbow jumpers oh my god I'm gonna lose my mind then don't forget they also have Gordon Drogic a verified Celtics killer he had COVID recently and hasn't played in a couple weeks so I hope him and his family are okay but Peyton Pritchard has to match or outplay him. When Drogic gets going, he is a tough guy to defend. But this year, he's only shooting 24% from three. But watch him go off in, in this series if the Nets do win. Just watch him go off. It'll be crazy. You know, and they have a couple young guys too. You know, they have Cam Thomas. can definitely cause some havoc. You have Kessler Edwards, who started for them today versus the Pacers. And then before we even dive even deeper, we also have Patty Mills. Patty Mills, who I think is someone who can make or break a series. He's a veteran with the Spurs for a long time. You know, just stone cold. The first time the Celtics and the Nets played each other this year, this dude dropped 23 points, shot 7 out of 10 from 3. But since then, he's only scored 8 points in 3 games. And this is why you brought in someone like DW9, a.k.a. Derek White, to control one of their good bench guys, to slow them down. DW9 doesn't have to outshoot Patty Mills because Patty Mills is such a better shooter than DW9, and Dragic is too. But can he keep up with them? Can he slow them down? That's going to be key because DW9 might even be on Kyrie from time to time too, just in case you know Marcus does get in foul trouble. So that's going to be something to look at. But how do these teams kind of match up like statistically and stuff? The Nets... Top 10 in scoring, top 4 in field goal percentage, 11th in 3-point shooting, and the 6th best free throw shooting in the league. That's very, very impressive. Compared to the Celtics, 14th best scoring, 16th best field goal percentage, 14th in 3-point shooting, but number 2 in in free throw shooting. Assists, turnovers, and rebounding, all pretty much even. Now, the Celtics on the defensive side of the ball? (laughs) Oh, me, oh, my. The Celtics have a 106.2 defensive rating before the Grizzlies game started tonight, which is number one in the league, and the Nets are 20th at 112.3. The Celtics allow the third most... I'm sorry, the third least amount of field goals made per game. The Nets, 15th. Celtics... Oh, boy. Whew, my dinner. That, that was literally my dinner that just came out. Celtics have held their opponents to an NBA-best 43.5% shooting per game. The Nets, they're at 45%. The Celtics allow the least amount of assists per game. The least amount of assists per game. And the Nets allow the ninth least. Which brings me to my favorite stat of them all. The Celtics... Oh, man. The Celtics had 25 assists or more this year. 38 times. And they're 28 and 10. So move the motherfucking ball for the love of God. Pass the ball around. Find the right shot. Find the best shot. Go ahead. Do it. I dare you. The Celtics are a far superior, better, what, whatever the phrase is. Okay? Sorry. Just whenever I think about a team having 28 
or 25 assists or more per game. My body just gets all crazy. But the Celtics are a superior defensive team, and the Nets are a very good offensive team. And good defense wins championships. Defense wins games. And good defense leads to good offense. And if the Celtics can get Drummond in foul trouble, their backup is Nicholas Claxton, who is about as skinny as a Sharpie that I have in my hand. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, the Cavs, if they do pull off what most are calling is an upset, and they are going to be playing them, the Celtics, you know, how much do you worry about the Cavs? First off, Jared Allen, he'll be returning in the lineup sooner rather than later with his, uh, I think he had like a fractured finger or broken finger, I forget which one it was. And they have a a good shot because their bigs are are that good. Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, arguably the future of front courts in the NBA. You know, you could say, I don't know. I'm I'm really trying to think if you go team by team, like Embiid's just with Embiid. There's really no one on the Raptors. Yeah, you can go on and on. But Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Twin Towers, very, very good. Evan Mobley is a rookie of the year candidate, one of the best young players in the league. They don't have Colin Sexton anymore for the rest of the season, but Darius Garland has been a great, great player for them this year. Obviously an all-star earlier in this year as well. Uh, in the game versus the Bucks, um, where the Bucks didn't play anyone. I, I don't even think the coach showed up in that game. Kevin Love only played 15 minutes, went 10 of 16 from the field, and scored 32 points in 15 minutes. He can still ball. There is no doubt about it. He's still someone that could cause havoc, and that's someone you may have to pay attention to. Now, the Celtics did beat the Cavs twice this year, 98 to 92, 111 to 101, but also lost to them back in November, 91 to 89. So some of the things that the Cavs do or don't do, I guess, they're 24th in the league. 24th in the league in scoring. Top 10 in field goal percentage, which is impressive. Middle of the road in three-point shooting. They do have a sneaky good defense, though. They have been a top 10 defensive team all year long. They can switch. They're very athletic. Just like Evan Mobley can cover Tatum. He can cover Marcus Smart. He's very, very good. I could talk about Evan Mobley all day. I think he's a great player. Now, the thing that is which is absolutely crazy to me and which i think will benefit the celtics they actually play at a slower pace than the celtics do this the celtics play at a very slow pace they don't like to push the ball like you know a team like the grizzlies or the warriors you know what i'm saying but they have the fifth slowest pace so if they're going to play at a slow pace and let the celtics defense get set up the Cavs aren't really going to have a shot now there could be an upset I don't see it happening. If that's the case, I think Tyson Horford could run into trouble with Mobley and Allen. Smart can control Garland. Jalen is better than Karius LeVert. Even if Karius LeVert gets going, he is one of the best. I don't want to say one of the best, but he's a very solid, sneaky scorer in this league. I'm not really worried about Okuru on the offensive end, but he can defend very, very well. He's very athletic, very physical. Osman is a good scorer off the bench for them if he's left open, and Lamar Stevens is what it is. So if you ask me, my prediction, if it is the Nets, the Celtics win in six. If it is the Nets, the Celtics win in six. If it is the Cavs, the Celtics win in five. So those are my predictions for episode 160 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Congratulations to the Boston Celtics for being Atlantic Division champions. Number two seed. What an incredible turnaround by the players, the coaching staff, um, the front office. You name it. It's been incredible. It's been a crazy run, but this is a new season. Everyone's 0-0. and zero. A lot can happen. 
Hopefully they can continue this momentum, continue to have this confidence, and I'm looking forward to seeing everyone at TD Garden. I'll be in Section 315. I will not miss a game. I promise you that. I'll be there every single night cheering on these Boston Celtics. Hopefully Banner 18 is on the way. And a quick reminder, there will be an episode out 8 a.m. after every single playoff game, 10 to 15 minutes. I promise I won't be wasting too much of your time. Just want to catch you up. Maybe you missed a couple things. Maybe I missed a couple things. Who knows? But thank you, as always, for listening, supporting this podcast, especially since I was off last week. Sorry that this one was a little bit longer than usual, but... um. We'll talk soon. You can follow follow me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And yeah, we'll talk uh, whenever the games may be. We'll either talk to you on Sunday, Easter Sunday. Hope everyone, if you celebrate Easter, hope you have a great day. If you don't uh, and you celebrate Greek Easter, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, Maybe we'll talk Sunday. Maybe we'll talk on Marathon Monday. Who knows? Whatever the case may be, we'll definitely talk to you real, real soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.